episode 472. Welcome, my friends. Let's make this another Action Friday. My action for you today is one word. Start. And I have two pieces for you today that I'm going to read to you. The first one is by Toni Morrison. She's a Pulitzer and Nobel Prize winning writer. And sadly, she passed away this week at the age of 88. I loved reading Toni Morrison when I first came to the United States. In my freshman English class, I learned about Toni Morrison. And she was such a wise person. A memory of her, I want to share an excerpt from an interview with her that I read on the Paris Review. And this is her speaking. Writing before dawn began as a necessity. I had small children when I first began to write and I needed to use the time before they said mama. And that was always around five in the morning. Many years later, after I stopped working at Random House, I just stayed at home for a couple of years. I discovered things about myself I had never thought about before. At first, I didn't know when I wanted to eat, because I'd always eaten when it was lunchtime or dinner time or breakfast time. Work and the children had driven all of my habits. I didn't know the weekday sounds of my house. It all made me feel a little giddy. I was involved in writing Beloved at that time. This was in 1983. And eventually I realized that I was clearer-headed, more confident and generally more intelligent in the morning. The habit of getting up early, which I had formed when the children were young, now became my choice. I'm not very bright or very witty or very inventive after the sun goes down. Recently I was talking to a writer who described something she did whenever she moved to her writing table. I don't remember exactly what the gesture was. There's something on her desk that she touches before she hits the computer keyboard. But we began to talk about little rituals that one goes through before beginning to write. I, at first, thought I didn't have a ritual. But then I remember that I always get up and make a cup of coffee while it is still dark. It must be dark. And then I drink the coffee and watch the light come. And she said, well, that's a ritual. And I realized that for me, this ritual comprises my preparation to enter a space that I can only call non-secular. Writers all devise ways to approach that place where they expect to make the contact, where they become the conduit, or where they engage in this mysterious process. For me, light is the signal in the transition. It's not being in the light. It's being there before it arrives. It enables me in some sense. I tell my students one of the most important things they need to know is when they are at their best creatively. They need to ask themselves, what does the ideal room look like? Is there music? Is there silence? Is there chaos outside? Or is there serenity outside? What do I need in order to release my imagination? Second, I'm currently reading a book that has been on my reading list for a long time. I'm advancing very slowly because my time is just strapped, but I'm reading it and I'm fascinated. It's called Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott. Some instructions on writing and life. And I want to read you a short excerpt from this book. 
Almost all good writing begins with terrible first efforts. You need to start somewhere. Start by getting something, anything down on paper. A friend of mine says that the first draft is the downdraft. You just get it down. The second draft is the updraft. You fix it up. You try to say what you have to say more accurately. And the third draft is the dental draft, where you check every tooth to see if it's loose or cramped or decayed or even, God help us, healthy. What I've learned to do when I sit down to work on a shitty first draft is to quiet the voices in my head. First, there is the vinegar-lipped reader lady who says primly, well, that's not very interesting, is it? And there's the emaciated German male who writes these Aurelian memos detailing your thought crimes. And there are your parents agonizing over your lack of loyalty and discretion. And there is William Burroughs dozing off or shooting up because he finds you as bold and articulate as a houseplant. And so on. And there are also the dogs. Let's not forget the dogs. The dogs in their pen who will surely hurl and snarl their way out of it if you ever stop writing. Because writing is, for some of us, the latch that keeps the door of the pen closed, keeps those crazy, ravenous dogs contained. Quieting these voices is at least half the battle. I fight daily. But this is better than what it used to be. It used to be 87%. Left to its own devices, my mind spent much of its time having conversation with people who aren't there. I walk along defending myself to people or exchanging repartee with them or rationalizing my behavior or seducing them with gossip or pretending I'm on their TV talk show or whatever. I speed or run an aging yellow light or don't come to a full stop and one nanosecond later I'm explaining to an imaginary cop exactly why I had to do what I did or insisting that I did not, in fact, do it. I happened to mention this to a hypnotist I saw many years ago, and he looked at me very nicely. At first I thought he was feeling around on the floor for the silent alarm button, but then he gave me the following exercise, which I still use to this day. Close your eyes and get quiet for a minute until the chatter starts up and then isolate one of the voices, and imagine the person speaking as a mouse. Pick it up by the tail and drop it into a mason jar. Then isolate another voice. Pick it up by the tail, drop it in the jar, and so on. Drop in any high-maintenance parental units. Drop in any contractors, lawyers, colleagues, children, anyone who is whining in your head. Then put the lid on and watch all of these mouse people clawing on the glass, jabbering away, trying to make you feel like shit because you won't do what they want, won't give them more money, won't be more successful, won't see them more often. Then imagine that there's a volume control button on the bottle. Turn it all the way up for a minute and listen to the stream of angry, neglected, guilt-mongering voices. And then turn it all the way down and watch the frantic mice lunge at the glass, trying to get to you. Leave it down and get back to your first shitty draft. A writer friend of mine suggests opening the jaw and shooting them all in the head, but I think he's a little angry and I'm sure nothing like this 
would ever occur to you. Two exemplary writers motivating us to start. Toni Morrison shares her morning routine. Anne Lamott encourages us to just get going despite all the voices that are trying to hold us back. The advice is very simple. Whatever your goal is, make the space and the time for it, and then begin. Stop putting off what you are capable of doing now. Stop waiting for better times, for more convenient circumstances, or for more clarity. Just begin with what you have, no matter how hard it is. Make your terrible first effort, and then go from there. Your first draft is your downdraft. Just get it down, get it done. Your second draft is your updraft. You're revising it. And then your dental draft, you're cleaning it up. Maybe it's writing, maybe it's a new hobby, a language, whatever it is, just get started. Let's start. Much love. 